0: this morning i'm glad to be with you i don't know about you but uh, i kind of don't like the robocalls and the uh your is your house for sale calls y'all getting a lot of those yeah i've been getting a lot of those and and I, of course i i enjoy only to an extent those calls because i've found new ways to mess with these people who call me Uh, I called one called me the other day and uh, he says uh, hey yeah this is such and such and I I noticed that he had an Austin phone number and I'm like I don't know anybody in Austin if I do I've got their name but I'll go ahead and answer this anyway because normally I don't he says yeah I want to know if this number if your house is still for sale and I said you know I'm really sorry I've been advised by counsel not to discuss anything regarding the property and any questions that you have needed to be directed to the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Yeah, I'm just really nonchalant, and he says, well, is this regarding this property? And he listed out my address, and I was like, I'm sorry, I've been told by the advice of council, any questions regarding this property should be directed to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Uh, um, uh, 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 well, okay, um, is, is this Mr. Davis? I said, I'm sorry, I've been advised by council <laughs> not to answer any questions regarding this. And just kind of went through the whole thing. Guys never called me back, it's amazing. Um, so apparently, the ATF knows how to get them to stop calling you. I, I guess how that. Like, I remember uh, my kids were freaking out one day because I've got this guy on the phone, and he's telling me about, I need to download this program because my computer's got this virus, and that if I download this program, he could help me get it off there. Uh, and I'm a Mac user, and he's telling me how to download it for my PC. And now I know PCs well enough, and so I'm going through this whole process with him, that I just scream like, oh, my gosh, my screen is blue. Where's all my stuff? And it's locked out the guy's like, oh, no, I don't know what's happening. And so I've got him on the phone, and I'm just messing with the guy for like 10, 15 minutes easily. And he gets so mad at me in the process of this that he starts cussing me and yelling and everything. He hangs up, calls me back, cusses me some more, hangs up again, calls me back again. And I don't know who the sucker is. I keep answering the phone or just what. But finally, I just said to the guy, I'm like, why are you doing this? And he says, well, sir, I'm in India. And I said, I knew your name wasn't Stephen. He says, I am in India and I need this job. And I'm like, I understand that. I said, but you're defrauding people. You're harming people, especially those that are that are that are afraid. You're preying on their fears. How could you live with yourself? He goes, I need I need this job. And I'm like, man, I've been in India. I get it. I understand. But this isn't right. But I will say this, I'm proud that I got you off the phone long enough to not mess with some unsuspecting senior adult. I said, But you guys ought to be ashamed of yourself. Y'all nicer people than I am. I mean, it's okay to say yes. Do you. you remember there was a, there was a, a pair of brothers, um, and uh, they were they were rowdy to say the least. They loved music. They they loved um, uh, they, they 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 loved entertaining. They were a little off the cuff, but they were revolutionaries. Um, and uh, they they revelation that they were supposed to do something significant. Um, their names were Jake and Elwood. So have y'all heard of these guys before? they they this might help you they were on a mission from god okay that that was that was the running thing if you've ever seen this film if you haven't don't watch it i'm not endorsing it okay but but it's it's interesting in this this whole process what their deal these guys they were they were brothers are trying to get money to this orphanage and and dan Aykroyd's character says we have a half a, a pack of smokes a full tank of gas and we're on a mission from god right like, like we're prepared to go and do what God wants us to do and they're trying to get the band back together and they're getting all these people to, you know and they, they get all this resistance because the band broke up years ago because one of them went to prison and the whole works and you know it, it's, it's entertaining in so many ways but, but I, I can't help but be just a, oddly just a little bit impressed by their devotion uh, they, they were devoted to doing something that they felt was good and right to get this money to the penguins at the orphanage uh, and to help them out, and, and they were devoted to do so because they were on a mission from God. They even at one point talked to Aretha Franklin about the holiness of this mission because she was mad because her husband was the, was the saxophone player in the band, right? I, it, it's just so interesting, though, to, to bring all this back into one place is, is to ask a question to you this morning because we say this over and over again, and I won't completely break this apart this morning, and every single one of us to a life of service of Him and the others, I believe that with all my heart. Grand uh, light falling down from heaven, or anything is—I I, I th- I think that i think thats just the call of Christianity. That I've submitted myself to the Lordship of Christ, and in that submission, He has called me on His mission. And that mission is to go and to teach others to obey all that Christ has commanded, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the mission of every single Christian ever. Anybody who thinks differently, you're not a Christian. I know that's a big general statement, and you're going to be testing my theology on that, and that's fine, good, wrestle with that all day long. But without evangelism, it's not discipleship, it's education. It's knowledge, it's not moving forward in the mission of God. It's understanding my orders, but only following portions of them, as we we talked about this morning in our adult Bible study this morning. But, but my question to you is, are there specific things in your life that God has specifically called you to? And I think the answer is absolutely yes, and it's hard to decipher some of the things. And the real simple test of that is, is that if I don't know God and I don't have a right relationship with him, if I'm not with him in the, in the moral will of God and understanding that the, the thou, thou shalt and thou shalt not, if I'm not understanding that God's got a bigger purpose for all people to come to him, for all nations to praise him, then I'm gonna really miss out on what my mission is if I'm looking at anybody and saying they're not worthy of God's kingdom and I'm not gonna obey that. And if, and if I'm looking and just saying, hey, I'm in willfully embracing sin in my life and so I can't understand why I embrace sin but don't know what God wants for me, okay? The challenge to that is that all the roadblocks you're putting in the way to listen to what God's calling is on your life. But, but I, I would go just a step backwards perhaps and just ask you this, Would you know it was God, and what would you do when God called you? How would you answer? How will you answer when God calls you and says, I've got something for you to do specifically? We live in a day and age where celebrity everything matters. I saw uh, there was uh, two girls from TikTok made $27.5 million last year to wear bikinis and go to the beach. And I'm like, I'd take half of that to pay me not to do that. Have speedo, will travel. Does that help at all? I'm sure it doesn't. How would you answer God's call in your life? Oh, God, I think you want me to be this great big da 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 Listen, first and foremost, I think God just wants you to be obedient. Here, my Lord, send me. (laughs) Where are we going? I didn't tell you where we're going. I just told you I needed somebody to go for me. That's Isaiah. Here, my Lord, send me love that level of obedience we're picking back up in the study of jeremiah this morning we're gonna be in jeremiah chapter one if you want to open your bible to that i want to kind of catch us up to where we are because god calls moses to rescue the people out of the egyptian slavery that they've been there for 430 years and moses gives him all kinds of examples of why he can't do it and he calls his brother aaron up and says go help your brother so he can go and do this and he he gets these people, about a million or so, we think, out of, of the hand, the house of slavery of Egypt, and he's taking them through the desert, and they go across the Red Sea. Uh, I think your kids actually learned about that this morning in, in, in kids' area back there, or they're doing it now. And they get there, and they're like, what are we doing here? You called us out here just to die in the wilderness. Um, and, and they struggle. They get to the edge of the promised land, right up to the very edge. They send in some spies. The spies come back to them go, there's giants in the land. We can't do anything about this. And two of them say, we can take them. And the people say, no, we're going to go with the majority on this because, you know, after all, church is really a democracy. God says, okay, great, wander around for another 40 years. By the way, all of you are going to die. None of you will see the promised land. That's where we get Psalm 90 from Moses writing that. It's our prayer this year. I encourage you to, to memorize Psalm 90, verse 12. He says, so we may have 70 or 80 years, but teach us to number our days, Lord, that we might get a heart. Of wisdom that we might be rightly acclimated to you might be in right orientation with you because this whole generation is not but joshua and caleb will enter into the promised land they'll divide the land up amongst all the 12 tribes of israel and they were told specifically go down and knock down all the idols knock down all the high places get rid of all these pagan people now it sounds harsh it sounds like god is just mean authoritarian but but i want you to understand god had revealed himself to many people before, and he had called the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, to be a light into the world. And when they did not go and show their God to these other people, it was on them that their deaths would come, not just by their hand, but by their hearts that they did not declare to them the goodness of the one true God. And because they did not do so, they began to intermingle and intermarry and to worship these other gods. And next thing you know, idol worship is part of everyday Israelite life. And God is raising up all these different people to come against them. And the, the kingdoms divide, 10 to the north and two to the south, Judah and Benjamin down here. And God will eventually take out the north all at once. And he's slowly pecking away at Judah and Benjamin and he's gonna take them out and exile them as well. But just before he does that, He calls a series of people to proclaim his goodness, to talk about his wrath even, to warn the people. And one of the people he calls out is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is who we're going to study this morning. And I want you to see this beginning in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. The scripture says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, "Ah, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth jeremiah responded almost exactly the same way we do when god calls let me tell you god all the reasons you're wrong for calling me and how disqualified i am he does that but god answers him in three very specific ways in these first few verses and he says to him quite simply jeremiah my authority is what's calling you no experience required I didn't ask for your resume. There was not an indeed for you to sign up on to get this job. Before I knew you in the womb, before I formed you, I set you apart. I consecrated you. I dedicated you to be my messenger. I had a plan for your life before you even knew how to soil your diaper. Don't give me this, oh, I don't know what to do. No kidding. I didn't ask you if you knew what to do. I asked you if you would follow me and listen to me and answer me and obediently do what I ask you to do. I mean, how many times have we sat there and said, you know, I was talking to God the other day, and I I would let him know what I was willing to do for him. I mean, nothing makes God laugh more than telling him your plans, right? I've short-term mission trips all over this, this world, and I've talked to missionaries, and I've talked to some who know how to use small teams and some who don't they just simply asked. I said, tell me the greatest success you've had with small teams, and sometimes they'll tell me, man, the ones that come, they just do something to do. I said, tell me about the, the ones you never want to come back. God says, it is my authority that calls you out, and so before you start telling me why you can't do what I'm going to ask you to do, which, by the way, I haven't fully told you everything yet, you are already giving me excuses. The second thing he says, it's my protection that sends you. You're it's so weird that jeremiah would look at god and say listen i'm trying to keep myself alive and so the best way for me to do that is to disobey the omnipotent creator that's ludicrous i think the best plan for my safety god is to ignore you there is a a, a, an example of history that jeremiah should have to say jeremiah do you remember When they wandered around for 40 years and the entire generation died off before they came into the promised land, they did the exact same thing you're telling me now. And there's a measure of grace that God is coming in here and saying, listen to me. It's my authority that calls you, and it's I who am going to protect you. And the reason I'm going to protect you is because it's my message, not yours. Word will go forward, and it will do what it's supposed to do. And I really believe this in in reading and studying this whole great piece of this is that Jeremiah looks a lot like Moses and God had heard this before and he already had an answer. But, But what he's really calling Jeremiah about is saying, listen, I've already made up my mind on what's going to happen to these people, but there's an opportunity still to sway them to follow me regardless of all that's going to happen. But Jeremiah, I didn't select you because I just thought you were the most eloquent of speakers. I selected you because I hoped you would be obedient to me to say what I asked you to say. Listen, friends, there is nothing more authoritative than the word of God. Catch that. There is nothing more authoritative than the word of God. It's not my word, it's not your word, it's not because I said so in your household, it is the authoritative word of God that matters the most. And in this case, there is a gracious yet very un. Yielding word here to Jeremiah, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So we get the impression that Jeremiah saw God in a vision, perhaps in a dream. Which ought to just tell us a little bit about our dreams that God also works during our subconscious, by the way, because he's omnipotent. There's nothing out of bounds for him. But he didn't face him face to face because the holiness of God, and then you've got this, this disobedient of a man who doesn't speak well and doesn't do everything else. He can't be in the full presence of God for a lot of reasons. I, but two, because God came to him and he says, I will put my word in your mouth. And it's actually a beautiful picture of God just touching him and putting his word in his mouth. So how would you answer when God comes to you and says, listen, I want you to go to a place that's going to be dangerous. You are not going to trust in your own skills to do this. And by the way, I will develop the message for you. Don't go trying to do this yourself. How would you answer that? I think you would be very similar to Jeremiah, just as I would, too. Lord, I'm really not sure. I remember when I talked to a friend about starting this church seven years ago, almost to the day. And I remember him saying, hey, I, I, I had applied for another job for a parachurch ministry. And I said, man, I think I, I want to go do this. He goes, do you want to be away from church? I was like, I kind of do, actually. Um, just to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm worn down. He goes, I think you ought to plant a church. I said, I think you're an idiot. And I remember telling him, I said, church planters hate their families, I, I, I says, and they got to preach every week, and I don't do that. And he goes, that's what makes you perfect. And I said, really? How's that? He goes, we need a measure of people who know how dumb they really are. What a compliment, huh? I mean, that's a self-awareness thing we come to, right? Wouldn't it, how much easier would it be sometimes to go, you know what, God? I, man, I, don't, I am totally unprepared to do what you're asking me to do. But I'm going to trust you to do it. I'm going to trust you to send me. Hey, this is awesome. I don't even have to know what to say because you're going to tell me what to say. Just as Christ said, when you are in prison, not if, when you are imprisoned, I will give you words and wisdom to speak by which no man can refuse. When you are obedient to me, when you are going the places I tell you to go, when you're going before the people I tell you to go before, when you are delivering the message I told you to deliver, I'm going to protect you because my message is important or I wouldn't send you to begin with. To to think that God would not protect his messenger of whatever that is, is to say that God devalues life in such a way that it doesn't matter. And that is not who he is, and that's not what he does. But in verse 10, we get to the central message of the entire book of Jeremiah. The central message of the entire book of Jeremiah is wrapped up right here. And so if you were to read a boil in here, See, I have set you this day over nations and over keep up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Just ponder on that for just a moment. God said, okay, Jeremiah, I understand you seem to know your own limitations, but you're, you need to follow me and trust me. I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to protect you. It's going to be my message but I am going to elevate you for your obedience to me over nations. And that's over Judah, it's over Benjamin, it's over Assyria, it's over Babylon, it's over Egypt, it's, it's over the Edomites, the Amalekites, the Amorites, and all the others. It's over all those things. It's over Syria, they won't leave me alone. It's over all those things, okay? And, and he says, I'm going to give you authority over all these nations and it won't be your authority, it'll be mine, because it'll be my words that are speaking. And I'm going to send you to do that. But in the process of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you to pluck and to tear down and to rebuild. Now, friends, you ask a farmer, and he'll tell you, you don't just go putting seed out on a bunch of weedy fields. You've got to take care of that. And excuse the cheesy graphic, but I think this is what this looks like. This is the farmer and the builder. And these are the two things that God's going to call Jeremiah to be For the people that are still living there in Jerusalem and a little bit to the north and mostly to the south there. His remnant of people that are remaining. He said, I'm gonna call you to be a farmer and I'm gonna builder. I think I put a a slide up there. I want you to know that a farmer first is gonna go and prepare the field. He's gonna pull out the weeds. And he's gonna pull those weeds out, and he's gonna make sure that that the soil is prepared, and he's gonna put the seed down that comes from God. And the builder, if, you've, if anybody's ever done any renovation, you know that sometimes it costs more to renovate than it does to completely tear down and rebuild. McDonald's got onto that many years ago. You drive by McDonald's, it's open today. Tomorrow, it's just leveled. Like, what happened to that McDonald's? Are they moving? No, they're renovating. It's going to be a whole lot faster. It's going to be a whole lot quicker. It's going to be a whole lot cheaper for them to do that. It's more efficient that way. Sometimes, though, God is going to do that same thing where he's going to come in and he's going to tear these things down but there are two things that God really called Jeremiah to do in these analogies of the farmer and the builder and it's the difference between announce and pronounce and to to announce something is to give advance notification Jeremiah you're going to be the prophet to many nations, and you're going to give advanced notification that God is dissatisfied with your willingness to sin and your worship of idols and foreign gods. And you're going to announce them that God sees this, that he hasn't forgotten you. In fact, he's so angry with you right now that he's really trying to figure out when is the time that he's going to go and make this all go away and destroy it so he can rebuild it. He made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to the 12 tribes of Israel that they would possess the promised land and they would be his chosen people and they would be a light to all the nations. And you're not fulfilling your end of the promise. And so because you're not fulfilling your end of the promise, God is announcing that he's had enough. It's like a wedding announcement. Hear ye, hear ye, come to the party because someone's going to get married. Here's what the advance notification is going to be. It's like talking to your kids. If you keep punching your brother, I'm going to come back there and smack you. I am giving you advance notification of the process that's going to continue here. Am I the only parent that's ever done that? My mother's five foot four, mean as a snake, and I'm still scared of her. And she had a pair of wooden sandals that, to this day, still makes me sit up straight. I see wooden sandals, and I immediately go there. Her little five foot four self drove a Cadillac 1978 Cadillac Sedan DeVille, the and they had like benches that like the Packers could set in, and the, the seats were so big, and they were so far apart. And she'd take that sandal off, put that thing on cruise control, and just go to swiping. By. us. Here. I'm not going to pull the car over. I may just jump back there. It's on cruise control. This thing's a land yacht, right? I'm going to to to. uh, This is what God is calling Jeremiah. Go to the nations. Go to the people. Go to those who claim to be my chosen people and announce to them that the Lord has had enough of your idol worship, both I-D-O-L and I-D-L-E. He's had enough of your idol worship and he's had enough of your heart being divided, he's had enough of you willingly and openly embracing sin into every aspect of your culture, and he's going to deal with it. He's had enough. His love and his grace has sent Jeremiah to call you back to repent of your sins and come back to him so that you may not endure the fullness of his wrath. That doesn't mean his punishment, but the fullness of his wrath. And then to pronounce is to declare authoritatively. So we've sent the wedding announcement out. The bride and groom have come down here. They stand before God, and they stand before all the people, and the pastor says, I pronounce you, husband and wife. I have authoritatively declared. And that's what God is giving Jeremiah, is the authoritative declaration of the Lord that I am going to come to this place and you are going to be swept up by others and the control right now, which you've exhibited in worshiping idols and all sorts of sexual immorality in sacrificing your own children and having all these crazy, crazy, crazy foreign God rituals, I am going to pronounce that they are wrong and they are evil and they're going to be wiped from this place and nobody's going to remember you or anything about you, but they will remember my justice. Boo! That ought to scare the heck out of each and every one of us because we are not any different than those people today. Don't think that we are. We're humans, and we both need to hear the announcement of the goodness and the glory of God, and that is coming to to give both curses and blessing because that is also coming, because Jeremiah will also declare that God has great plans for each and every one of us, and he does not want this, but he will, in fact, declare enough of this. He wants to bless you. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28 this week. I encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapter 28 this week. Read the whole thing and just see all these things. At the very end of that, God says, if you don't do these things, you will be sent back to Egypt on ships and sold back into slavery. By the way, at the end of Jeremiah, some thousand plus years later. Let's see what he says next in verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an order said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. You should underline that passage, by the way. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. The Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be set loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come, and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare, I will pronounce my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. Again, excuse the cheesy graphics here, but I want you to see what's happening here. It's a beautiful picture of God communicating with jeremiah and when god calls he affirms he he confirms to us his calling to help us understand what it is he's called us to do that doesn't mean he gives us the entire picture but he makes his lamp into our feet so that we might see the but but what he does here is that he calls him and he confirms and the reason why he uses these two analogies is because the almond tree if anybody's ever seen these particularly those in california the almond tree always has a bloom first before it has leaves and when you look at all of the beautiful rows of all the almond trees you see these beautiful white and pinkish blooms that are out there and no leaves on them yet. And those blooms are attached to the branch. And what God says very clearly through Jeremiah is that I am going to see that my word is fulfilled. Right? What he says there in verse 12, right? You have seen well that I am watching over my word to perform it. That I am going to do what I said I'm going to do. And so the branch represents the reach of God into the community and the bloom is his word. And what God's word goes forth from God alone, through the prophet Jeremiah, through any of the prophets that are out there, God says, I'm going to watch over that word. And I'm going to watch over that tender bloom. I'm going to make sure that tender bloom produces fruit. I'm going to make sure that the fruit of that bloom is used for nourishment and everything else. But I'm going to watch over it. And as long as it's attached to me by the the branch, it's from me. But if it's someplace else, if it's scattered across... If it's broken off from the vine, it will not do what it's supposed to do. Jeremiah, I want you to go and proclaim my word, and I'm going to watch over it because it's my message and my authority. You, you can't pronounce to them, do not, that the boiling pot filled with the nations of the Men- north, Nineveh, the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, all those, the Egyptians, all those people to the north who came and took out the northern kingdom of Israel, they're in that boiling pot, and that boiling pot is a wrath and the anger of God, and I'm going to spill it out, facing away from the north, and they're going to come down into the south, and they're going to wipe you guys out. Isn't it awesome that God said, hey, listen, I know some of you are slow learners, so I'm going to draw pictures for you. That's exactly what he did for Jeremiah. My word is the bloom of life. My word is the regeneration. It is creation continuing on. But my wrath is a boiling pot. And that boiling pot is going to wipe out all of those who are against me. God calls and then he confirms and he asks Jeremiah, do you see this? Yes, do you understand this? Yes, I understand this. All right, Jeremiah, what's, what's stopping you? Let's get on mission here. I think so many times we struggle what does this mean for me to do? Challenges sometimes of of looking at scripture, particularly wondering, okay, God, what am I supposed to do with this? But I think most of the time, it's just our willingness to say, I'm gonna go and actually do it. I don't think that there's enough of this word that's so confusing that you gotta have a doctoral degree to understand it. I think that God has made this so available to us and so honest for us and so simple for us that the problem with executing the truth of God's word has nothing to do with how hard it is there, but how hard it is here. How unwilling I might be, how many excuses I throw up for why I don't want to do this, I don't speak well. It's actually, a, 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 it, it's one of the most challenging lies of a new believer that they get taught, by the way, In regards to sharing their faith, oh, I just don't know enough about the Bible to share my faith with someone. Do you know enough about your own salvation to tell them what God has saved you to, not just from? Do you know enough of the goodness of the Lord and his grace and his mercy in your own life? to declare to others to pronounce to them both blessing or the judgment should they reject him? Well, I just think we need to the word. Hey, God bless you. I agree with you 100%. The last thing I want to do is try to withhold anything from you, but there ain't nothing stopping you from getting deep in God's Word. I'm not. I'm not the only one who can teach you this, by the way. Those of you under the age of 24, I think it is, you are a full Internet generation. There is a ton of knowledge out there for you. It has nothing to do with your ability to access. It has everything to do with your willingness to do. That's every single one of us, whether we're 15 or 55. We know the right thing to do. We just don't always want to do that. Now, there is a, a measure of bias here that I think we have to give the Israelites a little bit of room on, especially because we identify so well with them. Here's Jeremiah running around like a crazy person, telling everyone that the wrath of God is coming and that he has declared his judgment upon Judah and upon Benjamin, just like he did Israel. And this nationalistic pride is kind of boiling up in Judah and Benjamin, because Judah, their line, and so that's really why the other 10 tribes were wiped out, because we're the best of the chosen. (laughs) Isn't that something? That's like the best of the best. And so God's not, he was really just kind of getting them out of the way so for it must be okay for us to continue to worship idols sacrifice our children and perform all kinds of sexual immorality no that's a terrible justification just because god may have gotten those other people out of the way so that he could use judah does not give them justification for outright open sin at all And we do this sometimes in our own entitlement, in our own desire. We have this bias that stops us from adhering and listening to the announcement of the Lord's judgment coming, saying, oh, well, he's talking to somebody else. He's not really talking to us. He's talking about about, about Russia. He's talking about uh, about Sri Lanka. He's talking about some of those those people who worship all those pagan gods and all these other parts of the world or the complete atheists. He's not talking about this great Christian nation of America. He's certainly not talking about the evangelical South in the middle of the Bible Belt. Wrong! Jeremiah, I want you to go and announce my way of holiness. And I want you to pronounce to them that I will authoritatively come and I set you apart and make you hot. What you do or don't do, it is I who do that. But don't put yourself in a, wo- in a place to where you can't hear my voice, where you won't listen to those things. I think there are three you's in scripture. There there's there's you individual in scripture, there is you to a people, and there's you to us collectively. And I think when he when he says that, anytime you see the word you, I think you really have to 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 kind of break that apart and look and say, okay, who was God talking to specifically? When he says you, does he say you as the church, all of us here? And when we, when we say, okay, he's talking to all of us, the body of Christ here. Does that mean that a couple of us can choose to opt out because there's 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 a majority somehow that's going to take care of that? P- please don't say no and, and then take this the wrong way. But it's, ex- it's exactly what tithing looks like in every single church, by the way. There's just a small handful that takes care of that so that all the rest of us can enjoy all the rest of that. It's not about your money, it's about your heart and your obedience, okay? Listen to me carefully on that. It's the same thing to do with I go to church on Sunday, I I go to a Bible study or I go this, 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 but the rest of the week I engage in all sorts of other forms uh, 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 of apostasy, of turning my back on the teachings of Christ, of setting myself up because I think I'm somehow protected by God because of my presence, not because of, uh, uh, of my obedience. And I miss out on that, like so many other things that I think Jeremiah is going to address. And this is his call to action at the very end of this passage in verses 17 through 19. I think God really addresses a call to action. I've given you my word. I've given you my authority. I've given you my protection. I've told you what to say. I've told you where to go. I've told you what's going to happen. I've told you all these people, how they're going to behave. But he says to this, Jeremiah, now that I have told you, I knew you in the womb, and I called you out, and I set you apart, and I prepared you, and I'm sending you out to do these things, you... Dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I commanded you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Jeremiah, you're on a mission from God. Jeremiah, you're going to go out there to places where people are not going to listen to you. Jeremiah, they're going to, they're going to be off put by you. They're going to call you all kinds of names. They're going to outright ignore you. And by the way, in a couple of chapters later, some of them are going to try. But I have made you a fortified city of iron pillar, not stone, of bronze walls, not sheetrock, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah and its officials. The king himself cannot change my word in your mouth. Don't let him. Catch that. Don't let him. The king himself, by the way, there will be five kings that he'll have to deal with. He himself cannot change my message The bloom of the almond that is connected to the branch to go for and tell the people that the farmer and the builder are going to come and they're going to pull out the weeds and they're going to tear down these structures and they're going to rebuild back wholly. Either join him or suffer his wrath. The king himself can't do that. Do not be dismayed by them, Jeremiah. I have called you and now I'm equipping you and I've told you exactly where to go and exactly who to speak to. There's no ambiguity in this. Jeremiah, church, get yourself ready. I think morning, get yourself ready. Perhaps the greatest message that runs through, that that couples with verse 10, is the message of repentance. And the message of repentance and getting ourselves ready is that we need to identify the idols in our lives. We need to identify the things that are capturing our worship, that are capturing our attention, that are capturing our time, that are capturing our finances, that are capturing our heart, that are capturing our soul, that we are giving these things to that we're not giving to God. That the things that are in the way of us, that stop us from clearly hearing from the Lord, the openly embracing of, our, of, of, of sin and exchanging what is evil and calling it good and doing these things outright in the open and normalizing it in society we need to address those things for what they are in our lives and in the lives of our community and the lives of our country and the lives of this world because we are worshipping idols and we worship idols because we are people who were made to worship but we've got the wrong object it's power it's authority, it's lust it's, it's celebrity, it's money it's all call to be on mission for him and meanwhile announcement but they're going to feel the pronouncement of being idols to go and tell them the truth oh, he's not talking to me today. He must be talking to somebody else. You're right about that. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Secondly, and I think this is probably the, the bigger call, is repent of our sins. I bumped into an old friend the other day walking down the street, and I was at Los and and I just left one friend and ran into another one and she used to work at the church that uh, I previously served at and uh, just found out she got a clear cancer diagnosis, praise God, and, and she's retired, and, and she says, Pastor, which was so weird to hear her say, she says, what are you preaching? I said, you know, I said, my heart just is heavy to preach the message of repentance. My heart is heavy to preach the message of repentance. And she says, oh, yeah, well, well where are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to preach through Jeremiah. And She says, I'm 73 years old. I've never sat in a church to preach through Paul of Jeremiah. Okay, for so long, and I am bothered by the scripture. And my heart hurts, and I identify with the weeping prophet, because I know that we need to repent of our sins. And repentance, particularly in the context of Jeremiah, is not calling out to those who are who don't know God. He's calling out to those who do. And repentance is not reserved just for the for the lost and those that are away from. It. It's reserved for the people who know better, who have been given the truth of God's word that it went out in full bloom, and they embraced it, and they took it, and they enjoyed the fruits, and then they ran back away in their apostasy and their idol worship, and they got away from God, and they need to come back. They need to turn from their sin. The, 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 the Hebrew word is teshuvah. It says turn and come back to. It's not just, okay, this is the line of sin, and I'm not going to do this anymore. It is, I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to get as close to God and as far away from sin as he is, and I'm going to repent of my sin because I need him in my life because I can't hear his call on me. I can't hear what God is trying to say because the noise that my sin is chattering over and over and over again, and that noise is coupled with the death of those who do not know the truth. And if you have nothing else to repent for, I'm calling you right now to repent. For God, I have not listened to your word enough to get myself ready and go on the mission you called me for. That's every day. I don't care how holy you think you are. There is always a step more that God can ask of you and equip you for, that he can put his word in your mouth for, and that he can protect you and send you out. You don't have to be ready on your own accord. You have to get ready to follow God, and you have to announce to him, I want to repent of my sins. You have to acknowledge that you are far from him in such a way to say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I just don't want to escape hell. I want to know my Creator. And I can't know him when I'm filled, when I'm filled with the lust of this world and all the pleasures this world has for me. I can't know him, and I will be in a constant spiral of dissatisfaction in every aspect of my life until I give my heart to him fully and I repent of my sins. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and turn away from your sins. Get yourself ready by positioning yourself authoritatively to hear the pronunciation of God. To not just take his wrath, but to take his blessings because he wants to give that to you. And I think if we will identify the forgiveness of our sins, if we will let the Spirit wash and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that we'll stand before God and we'll have bumps and bruises and scars and a laundry list of all the things we did, but what we will have is God... I trusted you. And in hard times, when the world seems to be closing in, when churches are are under attack, when there's this wanton incivility that's going on, where we're embracing all kinds of sin and saying, it's everyone's right to believe this and to do this and to act this way in a world that's just jacked up enough like ours is right now, we're going to have to stand firm in the face of that, and we cannot do so if we look like the rest of the world and we won't go back to God and say, you know what, God, I trusted my own ability to kind of work through that. I didn't trust in you and the righteousness of your word. That's what he's telling Jeremiah. I didn't ask you what you were going to go say to the people. I told you what to go say to the people. So don't go thinking for a second that any one of you aren't ready to hear God's call and answer God's call because you don't know what to say. God doesn't need your voice on this. You need to listen to his. How will you call when God calls you? How will you answer? I'm so called to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Fireworks. I, I've gone to church a couple of times in my lifetime, but I'm just not prepared to tell you about your eternal destination with Jesus Christ. I'm saved. Good luck, man. Wish you well. you pray Psalm 90 with me this morning put it there on the screen I'm going to ask you to pray it honestly so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom I don't know how many days we all have on this life but I'm going to tell you something I'd rather be in Jeremiah's shoes where nobody listens to me but I am listening to God and following him and I would be in my shoes where I'm happy with what the world has to offer, but my soul is in misery. My soul is in misery. So this morning, I'm going to ask two of godly friends to come and join us this morning. I'm going to give you the opportunity to get yourself ready. I'm going to call you to repentance this morning. Whether you want to come and pray with me or with one of them or just come to the altar, I'm going to ask you to do so. Ben, will you come on up this morning? i to ask you to come, and, and, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to stay right where you are and pray, but I want you to do serious, serious conversation with God this morning and say, God, I have have endured way more than I should in my own walk with you. And I want to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Will you pray with me as the band comes forward?